This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo tabbouleh, Real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini ziti, granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. My guest today, very good friend of mine. I say that a lot of, about a lot of people, and it's not true, but this one actually is a very good friend of mine. He was a writer for The Late Show with David Letterman. He wrote for Ellen. He loves that part of his career. And then now he's been, he's been with Seth Meyers now. For how many years? Almost seven. Almost seven years with Seth Myers, which in late night years is like is like forty years. Yes. Welcome, my good friend, and and actually we we used to tour together a little bit as yes. well. Welcome, my good friend, Matt Goldich. Hi, Dan. I was actually thinking about that. We used to do a lot of um, college gigs. I feel like, or or more more accurately, I guess we did the conferences together. And then yes. you would get booked on the college gigs, and I would not. Yes, and I, I would have to come for you. Yes, I'd have but to I was, <laughs> you would. But you were, you were very, very affectionate. Uh, <laughs> but I was thinking about that because uh, you were sort of way ahead of the curve uh, for me in terms of food. Because uh, we, I, I specifically remember, I don't know if we were in Birmingham or Little Rock or somewhere, and you being like, oh, I want to check out like a really good restaurant. And I'd be like, can't we just go to like an Applebee's or a, chill, or a sports bar or something? Because I was just like, I was all about looking for the safest thing possible, the thing that was, uh, uh, you know, the least uh, risk. I was very risk averse in right. my food choices, especially with travel. And you were always like seeking out the hotspot. And now I've totally come around to your way of thinking, um, where I'm now just like, uh, yeah, let's go for it. But you were way ahead. Of me. And I just want to eat at Applebee's. Yeah. Well, you know, they have good uh, stuff. That's all I want to no, do. But also, I mean, part of it, and what we'll, we can get into it. It's funny. It's actually ironic that I have I have a little bit of a stomach thing today. But my whole life, a lot of it was guided by choices about what was good for my stomach, about what would keep me from getting sick. And then, uh, actually, I, I I mean, I was an early adopter. But about I, I like you know, I was way ahead of the curve on this. But about 13 or 14 years ago, I completely gave up gluten. And since then, I actually have almost no stomach problems. But this today happens to be an exception to that. But but I'm toughing it out for you. Well, I'm so glad that we got you on one of your days you're having stomach issues because yes. we will get yeah. into that. Well, it's like having the old me back, so that's good. <laughs> well, it's just it's funny to me a little bit because I know that you know, you're a big fan of the show. You're a big fan of the yes. Green Eggs and Dan. And you were so eager to come on the show. And I was like, Matt, you're like gluten-free Glendolin. Like your, your whole life is like, I need to avoid, I mean, you literally went to Paris with your wife and you guys were just like seeking out gluten-free bakeries. Well, first of all, Paris is the home of macaron, as you know, which are made with almond flour. So there's no shame in that. <laughs> but I mean, like also, uh, I, I will say, you know, for me, giving up gluten has actually in a weird way made me less of a picky eater because it's forced me to sort of, well, first of all, it's forced me to like actually like consider what's in things, which is something I did not do for a long time. You know, it's consider what the ingredients are in things. It's right. also 
Um, a lot of my other weird food pet peeves or quirks I've had to like sort of cast aside in, in the name of just making sure I just have something to eat. So like, for instance, things like, you know, dark meat chicken, which I never, which I didn't really like. Now I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Weird sausages, you know, anything that, as long as it's gluten-free, I will pretty much eat it at this point. Um, and then the other thing is like, it has made it fun on certain travel adventures. It's given like a little bit of a, um, like a, like a scavenger hunt quality. Yes. Like where even my wife kind of gets into it where it's like, all right, we're going to like, I mean, I specifically remember we spent like half a day trying to find this one gluten-free bakery in Tokyo that was like in a weird suburb. We had to like take a commuter train to get there to a neighborhood where, you know, like if in the center of Tokyo, I mean, you know, it's pretty easy to find somebody who speaks English, but we were in in this neighborhood where nobody spoke English and we had to, and it took us hours. We ended up having to go into a library. It was like a really weird. And then, you know, we finally found this one gluten-free bakery in all of Tokyo. And we like just, you know, basically bought out the store. You, <laughs> you know, just and like, even my, you just like burst into tears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And even my wife, who can get very annoyed by the gluten thing, was like, you know, it was like an exciting thing. And she was saying like, it's, it's fun to like have like, you know, like a, like a purpose in your travel, like a sort of um, like a goal. You know, so that was kind of, you know, stuff like that does make it kind of fun. Wait, how was the, how were the gluten-free treats at this place? It was great. And it was like exactly what you want in that it was gluten-free, but it all had that like very like pretty Japanese look to it. You know, like the colors and the sort of the bright, the bright colors and looking like artistic in its presentation. It was, it was great. I love it. Okay. Before we keep going, let us get into your fridge. Yes. You guys can see Matt Goldish's fridge on my Instagram at standupdan. I'm going to share our screen and here we go. All right. You have a very well-stocked fridge. Let's start with the big pick here. I mean, first of all, you have one of those fridges that the doors open from the middle And it just kind of looks like it's opening its arms to you and like wants to give you a hug. Right. Well, there's a reason for that, which is like since the beginning of the pandemic, I have been obsessed with making sure that there is like enough food in the house to feed myself, my wife and my kids. And yeah, well, this looks like you have like 75 children because you have tons of food. We only have two, but but they 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 eat well and. Um, you know, part of it is I have become kind of a Costco, uh, addict, which, Ah. um, we, we joined, you can't go to Costco every week. I try to rotate. I've actually become really what I've become as a supermarket addict. Okay. Um, where I, I, I've not throughout the entire pen other than March, April, May, when things were really bad, basically we got a car in August. And since then I've made a weekly pilgrimage every week to a a supermarket, usually a different suburban supermarket or the Costco in Manhattan. (laughs) Um, and so I've just become obsessed with like um, being well stocked. And Costco has good stuff too. I know they have like a reputation of being like you know sort of like just a giant tub of mayonnaise or cheese balls or something. But right, you can actually get a lot of really like high quality stuff at Costco if you know how to how to look. I've become a little bit of an expert if I do say so myself. But yeah, we we try to keep it. You, you, I did take this picture right after a shopping trip, to be fair. Yes, I understand. I mean, I, I do think, like, there's some Costco brand things, like the Kirkland. I always hear, like, these rumors, like, the Kirkland tequila is actually, like, Casamigos. Like, it's the same factory. Oh, really? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I could see that being, being true. But yeah. I don't know if that's actually true. But I like we, telling people that. For some reason, I don't know why, but my wife and I agree on this. The Costco uh, Parmesan cheese is incredible. Like, the really? big blood block of it you know um that you shave yourself it's like the best parmesan cheese we've ever had really i mean well if it's parmesan cheese i think it has to be from 
Parma. Like yes. they like so it's actually from they probably just went there, found a factory. They're like, okay, this is ours now. So yeah. uh, here's the money. Um, just keep just keep it coming to Costco. Put a Kirkland yeah. on the on the yeah, cheese. Why not? And the co- and the coffee's really good too. You can see I have the coffee beans uh, on the lower right uh, door. Um, it's sort of, it says over here, uh, Yanachia, and then, yeah, those are coffee and you can get like a, just a huge thing of, I have, wow, I have two kinds of coffee, the fairway and the, uh, wow. Costco. Yeah. So Costco coffee, huh? I feel like that's my coffee beans. I would want them to be really hipster. And just so that I can tell people like, Oh, these beans, these are from, <laughs> these, are, no, <laughs> these man. are from a farm. I'm, of... <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty big into, I do, we are pretty big into grinding our own beans. Um, but the, 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 the provenance of the beans is not not super important. Now, what kind of grinder do you use? That's the most important thing. It's the shittiest grinder that we've had for like 10 years. It's like, a you know, I don't even know what it's called. I think it's a bodum or something. It's on the counter and it always spills extra coffee grounds out of it. And it n- has never stopped working uh, for like 10 years. So I don't, I don't know. So let me ask you this. Is it the type of, cof- of grinder where you put them in a thing and then there's like a blade and the blade goes like crazy? Yeah. yeah. It, okay. I think I need, to, I need to have an intervention with you. I, well, here's the thing, Dan. I'm a coffee addict, but not a coffee snob. So I don't really, you know, it's sort of one of those things where you know, I, I don't really care. I don't, I don't, I mean, you're saying ignorance is bliss. You're saying ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I mean, and we, mo- I mean, 95% of the time, I mean, I, it's funny because I, I, I know you're into the Nespresso. We used to have a Nespresso and then the Nespresso became too, uh, it, it was not for me. I, we were all about French press coffee in this house and, but with a very occasional as a treat on a weekend, the Bialetti espresso. Okay, got it. Well, okay. Let me just let me just school you a little bit, and then you can do whatever you want. Okay. Let me hear what you can say. Sure. Okay. Okay. So there's two different kinds of coffee grinders. One is the one with the blade that you have, mm-hmm. and the other one is something called a burr grinder. I'll get to the burr grinder in a second. But what you have is a blade that goes at a very high speed mm-hmm. and creates a lot of friction and a lot of heat. And what that heat does is it burns off a lot of the oils, the essential oils in the coffee that actually give it a lot of the mouthfeel, a lot of the flavor, a lot of the nutrients, a lot of the antioxidants are in that oil. Okay. And you are burning that off by creating such a hot environment with the blade. What you'll find at like the hipster coffee shops or whatever is a burr grinder, which is basically in essence like two gears moving very slowly to slowly crush uh you know one on top of the other going to to slowly crush the beans that way you retain the oils and since it seems like your bodum is already vomiting you know you know coffee dust onto the you know here's my big question how much counter space does it take up because i'm in manhattan so that's at a premium it does take up a little bit more counter space that's a problem yeah we are we're also um, it's funny, like we don't even have a microwave because it just takes up too much space on the counter. And then we're always like, oh, we don't need a microwave. And then every time we're like at someone's house or somewhere with a microwave, we're like, oh, this is fantastic. Like, why do we not have a microwave? I used to not have a microwave, not because you don't have one, but because I was just like, I'm a purist. I want to use nature's fire to heat everything up. But guess what? When you have leftover Indian food, you don't want to no. use nature's fire. You want to use... No you know, factory electricity, yeah. nuclear energy to get that baby hot quickly. If, if my coffee gets below a certain temperature, it just, I just have to make it iced coffee. I have no other option <laughs> other than, other than just turning it into iced coffee. There's just no, no choice. The funny Costco thing here, the, you know, we were talking about the cartoonish Costco things like the big uh, mayonnaise and this and that, but the big 
Kirkland maple syrup is very yeah. funny to me. This is you're taking all the things that are like very artisanal, like and you're you're right. outsourcing. You're some people outsource things like milk and whatever to Costco. You're outsourcing your Parmesan cheese, your maple syrup, like yeah. things that are like you associate with like a grandmother making. You're well, like, nope, my grandma's name is Nana Costco. <laughs> well, first of all, there's a couple things that are very important to know here, which is. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. We are all about the one hundred percent real maple syrup. There's yes. no, there's no, uh, there's no Aunt Jemima. There's no log cabin in this house. I guess there's no yes. Aunt Jemima anymore at all. You but, you canceled Aunt Jemima um, yeah, before Aunt Jemima got canceled. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the other funny thing that I'm just thinking about is I realized I have a. This is like a little bit of OCD. Where I think about a month or two ago, my my sister in law came back from a trip to Vermont and brought us like a big thing of Vermont maple syrup. And I think in my mind, I'm just like, well, I have to finish the one that's open first. You know, like I can't, like I can't, I, I can't just have two giant maple syrups open at the same time. And by the way, everyone listening, it's about a gallon of maple. It looks like a moonshine jar just full yeah. of <laughs> This will go faster syrup. because my son has recently started like a light went on for him with maple syrup where he would only yeah. eat like pancakes plain or something like that. And then he recently just sort of discovered how amazing maple syrup is. And so this will go faster than you think. Maple syrup is one of those things that we all forget how amazing it is. And then we're like, oh yeah, this thing exists and it's the best, it's the best thing ever. Like it's yeah. way better than honey. It's way better than sugar. Sure. Just not can, you, like I'm taking the health aspect out of it, which it is healthier yeah. than that. But it's like and- it's, and it's uh, my uh, wife will put it on a little, uh, we'll cook uh, butternut squash with it, which is great. Great. Oh, nice. Combo. Yeah. So next to the maple syrup, you have something that is sort of, I, I, I mean, if, if you listen to the show, you know that I have, I have beef with this. The organic... Well, the organic ketchup. I'm not a. Fa- I, that's one of the things that I think the uh, here, you want you want okay. the factory made Heinz. So ketchup is a weird thing for me. So <laughs> I about many years ago I saw a, a 60 Minutes about natural flavors and what that actually means. Uh, and the example that I always bring up is like a na- like a beaver's butthole. Like certain things where they come from, they say natural flavors on it. It comes from a beaver a beaver's butthole, and that that counts as natural because it's natural. Um, and so I wait. That was in sixty minutes. They said that, or that was your yeah, little. That was a Leslie Stahl story. I and I and ever since I've, I mean, I will make exceptions, but I've tried to avoid things that have natural flavors in them. So actually, the one on the right, the organic... Wait, but hold on. I'm a little confused. The beaver's butthole thing was your little concoction, or that was on 60 Minutes? No, that was on 60 Minutes. They said beaver's... That was their example. It was like, hey, guys, beaver's asses are not... They said it can come from a beaver's ass and still be listed as natural flavor. So people think, you know, I mean, I think some people see artificial flavors on something, and they think like, oh, whatever that is, that can't be good, right? Like, they, you know that, like, seeing, like, artificial flavor is, like, who knows what the fuck, like, dye or whatever. But if you see natural flavors, you think, oh, it's natural. How bad could it be? But Wait, it, this, okay, this 60-minute story was definitely sponsored by the artificial flavor, big artificial no, no, flavor. No. no. Yeah, because you could say, you could say, okay, well, organic, it says it's organic, but did you know that goat shit is organic? It's or, Technically, it's organic, so everything you're, you're, organic, you're eating that's organic uh, could technically I, have goat uh, shit in it. Artificial flavors is an automatic no-go for me, so I'm, so I'm out on artificial flavors, but natural flavors, so um, <laughs> there's a reason for the two kinds of ketchup. The one on the right is mine. The one on the left is supposed to be Heinz. So the one on the right is 
The, the one on the, the right is the organic. It does not have any added flavors. Okay. Um, and then um, the one on the left is supposed to be Heinz. It does have natural flavors, and it should be the three sixty five one. My brother, my, sorry, my my son likes Heinz, but I went to Whole Foods and they did not have Heinz. But like, I'll give you an, like here's a more important example for the natural flavors. If you go to the <laughs> store, you will notice this. You will some brands of butter. Well, just the only ingredient will be butter. And then other ones, it'll say butter and natural flavor. And it's like, who's adding flavor to this butter that's already like great? Like there's no reason to add flavor to butter. So it's like, so that's why I look closely. The Kerrygold is good. The Kerrygold has no added flavor, but it's like certain brands of butter. It's like, why, why does it need flavor? Well, I'm with you on that. I agree with you on that. I think the beaver's asshole argument, yeah. though, is kind of ruined. It's it a forever. stretch. Yeah. It's a stretch. Yeah. But by the way, I mean, this is this only really goes for groceries. And if I'm like a restaurant or takeout, I mean, I'm sure I'm eating a million things with natural or maybe even artificial flavors in them and not knowing. I'm not asking. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if you're the guy ordering and you're like, is it gluten free? And also, are there zero natural or artificial flavors? I know. Well, I can't be that. Broth is another. They'll thing. be like, we'll get yeah. it. You're a fucking Jew. We if get you, it. Yeah. If you buy store bought <laughs> chicken broth. A lot yeah. of it has like it says like natural chicken flavor. And it's like what the what the what the fuck's that? <laughs> like there's, there's you know, no need for that. It's funny to me that you're like I'm so particular that I'm not gonna have something with natural flavors. But with my coffee, I'm not pretentious, man. I don't give a fuck. Well, it's always coffee. It's just coffee. Nobody's adding. <laughs> well, that I mean, I guess I you know if you're asking me, no, I don't drink like hazelnut coffee or like flavored coffees. Yeah, um, I, I hate don't. flavored coffees, actually. By the way, I also don't drink flavored seltzer. I only drink plain seltzer. Whoa, you're like a fucking, you're like a stoic Amish, like... I mean, I like I a lime know. or a lemon in it, but I but I don't drink like the weird flavored seltzer. You don't. And then over here is like the, what I like to call the Museum of Hummus. Yes. <laughs> that was, got... oh my God, this is one of my, this is one of my pet peeves, which is, I'm not going to say who, but somebody in my house did open a second hummus when a first one was already open. I'm assuming it's your wife because these are too high for kids to reach. Yeah, well, I'm yeah, not throw anybody under the yeah. bus. And then there's a third backup hummus. <laughs> oh, it's not. Two. Oh, it's not your six month old. No. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, she's one and a half, but uh, wow. she, and loves hummus, uh, but cannot get it herself. No, yeah. I can't tell the difference between kids if they're like six months old or like six years old. Like uh, I, 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 like you could tell me that they're right. either of those ages yeah. in between, and I'll be like, yeah, that's a six. Oh, to be a childless man, but you can, yes. but you can tell the rotation. <laughs> you can tell, get a sense of my rotation here because there is a fairway hummus. A, yes. a, Kirk, a uh, Costco hummus, and then I think that one on top is a Whole Foods hummus. Oh, yeah. So I'm basically, those three and Trader Joe's is kind of my rotation where I try to go each like once a month. Well, this is actually very cool that you have all these because I'm, I consider myself a, homo, a, a hummus connoisseur. Yeah. A hummus, a hummusur. Sure. And I think that of the brands that you named, I have a clear favorite and a clear least favorite. However, there are also two that I haven't had. All right. But... In your opinion, where would you rank Whole Foods, Fairway, Costco, Trader Joe's? Fairway, I would say, is the best. Fairway, anything really? anything that leans um, ethnic, Jewish ethnic, or new anything that leans New York ethnic, you you want Fairway. Yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know what Fairway is, Fairway is like a it's like if Trader Joe's just was created in one city and it just stayed in that city right like it's yeah 
Fairway actually, unfortunately, very sadly shut the one in our neighborhood, the big one shut down in Harlem, uh, where I would go every week if I, cause they had a big parking lot. And so, um, to go to Fairway, you either have to like go to like the Upper West Side, the Upper East Side, or I f- actually found one in the suburbs that I really like, but that one might mm-hmm. be closing. Um, I would rank Fairway number one. You know, I, I don't have any Trader Joe's hummus on hand, but I would rank them number two. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I rank Trader Joe's clearly the, the le- my least favorite yeah. hummus I've ever had. That's it. Although they, I would, I would, I would, I would put everything ahead of Sabra. Sabra to me is the worst. Yeah. Sabra is um, awful. Yeah. But if you have to go with a, I, I, I'm interested you don't like Trader because I don't like Sabra. I've, I've eaten like the Tribe. I don't mind the Tribe or the Abrahams is another one. But the, the I love the Whole Foods one. That's probably my favorite one. And the but the Trader Joe's there's two there's the regular one and there's the organic one and the organic one does taste slightly better than the regular one yeah. and it's not because like oh they're organic beans I'm sure they make it differently yeah but yeah I I like the one one I'll do a whole Trader Joe's run and then I'll go to a different place just to get hummus I respect that I respect that I wonder if you'd like the fairway I probably would I'm sure I would you have one what has become one of my favorite condiments here. Is this Sir Kensington's mayonnaise right here? That is. We I we almost never have mayonnaise in the house, but we recently made uh homemade fried fish with tartar sauce and it oh, was fun. outstanding. Yeah. And that's what that I That sounds used. Yeah. very fun. Yeah, and so you can actually see next to it is Cornichon, which we also used in the tartar sauce. I always am nervous about making I I there's something about like I think it's like the sensible child of an immigrant yeah. who like scoffs at taking like a whole thing of oil to yeah. deep fry something because <laughs> it's like you're just using it once and then what do you do you just yeah. you just use a whole like gallon of oil yeah but I fish and chips is like one of my favorite things in the world yeah so yeah tell me how did you how did you do your fried fish that that was an all that was all uh, uh, my wife Robin I, I basically the, the the way things work in our house is anytime someone makes something delicious or special that's her uh, mm. and i am more the um i'm like the kind of school cafeteria chef where i'm just ch- i'm just churn i like or or more like a camp like an overnight camp like where i'm just ch- trying to churn out large quantities of food that will last yes. days um <laughs> okay. so like thing so i like i'll only buy fish if i'm like you're going to cook this tonight right and she's like yes um, and Costco, by the way, does have good fit, but, but it's weird. Cause it's like, they have, it's like vacuum sealed. So they're like, this will be good until next Wednesday. And you're like, really? Will it, uh, you know, <laughs> but they have, they have very quick, they have a lot of turnaround on their stuff, which affords right. them actually right. good quality fish. So, so I, so, so, um, that was all her. She, she made the fish, uh, and, uh, that was great. I'm the one who's like, I'm going to like throw a whole, uh, bag like a like a Costco sized bag of like broccoli florets with like olive oil and salt and just like roast them in the oven for like twenty five minutes. They're going to be fine, but there's going to be a lot of them. Right, right, right. I love this move because this is such a move that only like if you're fortunate enough to have enough space to have a huge fridge, you can do this. Yeah, which is where you put the salad spinner in the fridge. Yeah, I mean that is like you are. I didn't. I, I saw that and I was like, oh my god! I didn't know Matt Goldich came yeah. from money. That no, that's how you know it was a. It, that's actually how you know it was a four hundred dollar Costco run as opposed to a five hundred dollar because if it was a five hundred dollar Costco run, the the supermarket would, or the fridge would be so jam packed that you'd have to then transfer the cut lettuce into a Ziploc bag and right. stuff it somewhere. But we had a little extra room, and so it's easier. You just, you know, you put the salad spinner in with the paper towel, and it's ready to go. I mean, and then you have these four zucchini, 
next to it. I've been I've been doing a lot of zoodles lately. Zucchini oh, really? noodles. See now, oh. you're, it's interesting you're talking about waste because we've made the zucchini noodles, and then you get left with like a middle part of the zucchini that like you can't peel. It's like, what do you do with it? I mean, you eat it. I just I just I usually just eat it raw. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little snack. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, that I I'm I'm all about like either roasting zucchini or like sautéing it up with onions. Or actually, this is like one of the dishes I remember eating from my childhood is like zucchini with tomato sauce. Like so, you know, just like a simple like in a pan with with like you know tomato. And so like I I like that. So I know that when you're at work, you guys, you and one of your buddies had like a a funny like yeah. thing with lunch yeah. that you would like post him on Instagram, right? It's it's funny. I uh, I thought about um, continuing that. I've been you know working remotely for now over a year. Um, Ian, what's what's Ian eating? My my uh, the guy who sits next to me at work. Um, and you're really making me miss work now. But uh, uh, Ian, well, first of all, he gets lunch right when the cafeteria opens at eleven thirty, and he would often have very odd uh, eating choices. Um, and like on both ends, like someday, well, first of all, there was one uh, period of time where he was trying to save money. And so he would bring in his own lunch, but then he couldn't wait till 1130. So at like 1111, he's eating like Velveeta mac and cheese at like his desk. And it's just like, what's happening <laughs> right. here? Um, but then, or like he'll get corn dogs or something. But then like the next day he'll come back and he's like, yeah, I got like beef bourguignon or like something like the fanciest thing was like, where did you even find this in the NBC cafeteria? So um, I thought about continuing to post those during the pandemic, but that actually sort of got replaced on my Instagram by the cocktail thing because I'm yes. making a lot of cocktails at home. And so that's been kind of my new trend. I'm impressed at how much you booze because you're always posting with like yeah. a with like a hearty cocktail in your hands. And I think that's a pandemic thing where everyone's like suddenly becoming, yeah. uh, you know, a, a an artisanal uh, barkeep. I, I I became a wine that my I hit I hid my alcoholism in becoming a wino. Yes. Well, first of all, I should say just out of sensitivity, there are a lot of people right now who are going through actual issues with sobriety and things like that during the pandemic. And so I don't I never want to make a light of those people um, or make light. Oh, of that. I do. But, but I enjoy. I but, enjoy. But, I have a. <laughs> but I have been enjoying. And and I had it. What happened was I had excellent timing, which was so I guess it was late. Two. My daughter was born in November of 2019. And then in December of 2019, I turned 40 and my wife said, what would you like for your birthday? Um, and keep in mind, I have like, you know, a three week old. So I wasn't, it's not like I'm going to like, you know, go to Vegas with my buddies or, you know, or have like a big party. And so I said, you know, I'd really like to the ability to make any cocktail I want at home, both for myself, just because I'm sick of just like pouring like, you know, bourbon in a glass with ice and like drinking it and also just like i feel like as you grow up you have more like guests you have dinner parties things like that i want the ability to like anybody who comes over you know make them a martini or a, a manhattan or and so she got me all this great equipment and bitters and uh, stuff and then you know little did i know that like a couple months later you know i you would i would go a year without going to a bar so right. like uh you know so i've good really, time i've taken advantage of it and it's got it for a while it got a little out of control where i was ordering a lot of specialty ingredients because um, I had this all this list of cocktails that I wanted to make. So like, for instance, I wanted to make a Mai Tai um, mm -hmm. and, you know, 
basically to make a Mai Tai, you need like five different kinds of liquor that don't go in any other cocktail that you would ever make. <laughs> right. So it's like, so to order all, so you're basically ordering like, you know, a bottle of like overproof rum and like a bottle of like, I don't even know how to say it or, or Giat. It's like, I don't even and, know. And then like, you, you know, it's like these things you would never use for anything else, but I, I have a lot of them. And then I, but there are sort of like five or six, you know, basics that I can do pretty well kind of from, from memory, which would be like martini, Manhattan, old fashioned margarita is obviously pretty simple. Uh, and a couple more. I'm a Negroni guy. That's Negroni is my cocktail. I like the Negroni too. I, I, you know, uh, the Sazerac is a great one. What's in a Sazerac? It's, uh, now, now you got me on the spot. It's totally blanking. It can be made either with rye or cognac. And then you rinse the glass in absinthe, uh, like, and uh, actually, there's a scene. Have you seen the movie Another Round? No. You should see it. It's a, it's really random. It's a Danish movie that came out like last year, and it's a it's like a it's about these four guys who uh, decide they're going to drink as much as possible while living their lot like these grown guys. And uh, it's interesting. It's on I think Hulu. Oh my god, you're watching like you're watching like cocktail movies now. Yeah. No, this not movie is nominated for best foreign film at the Oscars. So I was oh, curious cool. about it. And I had heard good things. And and uh, they make Sazeracs in the movie. It's I, I'm I'm bl- I'm blanking on the other ingredient that you have to add. Um, but uh, you can make it rye whiskey, cognac, absinthe, one sugar cube, three dashes of Peshaud's bitters. Right. And I think for me, I don't have sugar cubes. I use simple syrup. But but uh, or you can use maple syrup too. You've got a lot of maple syrup you got to go through. I that's true, and I have made. It's funny you mentioned that. I've, I've I've made the maple syrup old fashioned. Does the maple syrup uh, dissolve well in a drink? Probably. Yeah, you have to stir it pretty well. It gives it a little smoky flavor. But you, it's it's rye. It's, the Sazerac is rye or cognac, which mm-hmm. of course uh, I have both. So I've yeah. made it both ways. So going back a little bit, tell us about the NBC cafeteria. So is it is yeah. it all the NBC shows at 30 Rock are all you guys are all eating at the same place or do you guys have your separate area? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't it's funny. I don't know what it'll go back to. I, I mean, I was very into the salad bar uh, like three, four days a week. And now I'm just like, will I ever go back to a salad bar? Yeah, I mean, I maybe I will. I mean, right. Like we're we're a little bit less concerned right now about surfaces and more, more concerned about, yeah. you know, but like I was already the kind of person who like, you know, if I saw the tongs, like, you know, fully in the salad, like where the part you grab by, by the hand is in the salad. I'm just like, yeah. I'm not getting that ingredient, whatever that is. <laughs> right. So post COVID. Um, so, I mean, you know, they had, that was sort of my go-to just because trying to be healthy and not eat like a giant lunch. Um, and that has continued, by the way, into the pandemic where that's, a, uh, that's another one of my contributions where I'm usually the one who makes a big salad for my wife and I for lunch, like most, most days. But is it, is it, is the cafeteria, like, is it all the different shows? Like, are you just like having, are you, is Lauren Michael standing right next to you and you guys are like, uh, waiting at the soup bar? It's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty much, uh, you will see, I've seen Lester Holt there. Uh, I've seen really? some news people. Yeah. But most That's of kind of cool. Most Do you strike up a conversation. Do they think you, they must think you guys are the cool guys. Cause they like, I feel like serious people love comedy people. They do. I don't, I I'm, I'm there so fast. I am in and out. I'm not really stopping to make a conversation with anybody, but, but, uh, but I do uh, weirdly miss it. I miss like just being able to just like have someone make you lunch and just go get it. And yeah, it's a, taking a big chunk of my day. Um, but uh, it, it it's not a huge social scene. I would say most of the uh, you know high end talent is 
is not eating. They're getting it ordered in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I had uh, Ego Wodum on the podcast, and mm. she was saying, I think SNL might have their separate a separate area because their hours are all weird. They're on such a weird schedule, too. Yeah. I, think, I think they actually have like their own like catering at the cafeteria like after right. it's already closed or something would you ever want to work for one of those shows this is a total side thing, snl yeah no the schedule would wreck me it's i'm too, too old crazy. With kids i can't uh you know and by the way like you know if it were offered who knows but like i'm already just like but the pay the pay also is like yeah. not that great <laughs> is it <laughs> i don't I think don't it is well I don't know. it's funny though it's it, 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 all, it all ties back to the coffee because i was never a coffee drinker and I was never a morning person. And then I started drinking coffee. I actually went on a Mexican vacation with my wife about uh, 10, 11 years ago. And I had like had coffee. And we ended up staying at this place where they didn't ask you if you wanted coffee. They just poured, they just poured it for you. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, I guess I have to drink the coffee to like be polite. And ever since, I've been a full coffee addict and a full morning person. Yeah. I can't, I, I don't think I could switch back to the, the, you know, a nighttime routine. Coffee is, is, if I had to give up coffee or alcohol, I'd have a really, I think I would just commit suicide if those were the choos- two choices I had to make. That's a tough one. I, I, yeah, I think I'd have, I think I, it's very <laughs> funny to say this, giving up, uh, but I think I'd have to give up uh, co- uh, alcohol. I, I don't think I'd give up coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I agree. because you I need coffee. So. I, I just need it to get, through the day yeah that's not good it's not a good thing that no we've trapped and i and i and i in january and february i i was reducing i i sort of made a concerted effort to reduce my drinking and i was down from like you know six nights a week to like one night a week um but there's no way i could reduce my coffee i need it seven seven days a week yeah the one day a year that i don't eat coffee that i don't drink coffee is on yom kippur i I don't even give it up then really yeah i have coffee and water and maybe i'll fast but yeah (laughs) you do more like the master cleanse then when you do yom kippur yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. i drink uh pepper uh (laughs) lemon water with uh cayenne more with matt in a minute but first Let's talk about one of my favorite sweeteners, maple syrup. Maple syrup was created by the native indigenous peoples in the northeast of the United States and southeast of Canada. Eventually, it would become a major source of income for Quebec, which now produces 70% of all maple syrup sold in the world and is the main reason the Canadian flag has a maple leaf on it. Why is it so expensive? It takes 40 liters of sap from a maple tree to make one liter of sweet, sweet syrup. However, price wasn't an issue for abolitionists during the Civil War. They switched to maple syrup because most of the cane sugar and molasses in the U.S. was produced by Southern slaves. Noble activism that tastes great. Win-win. Okay, back to Matt. All right, well, we're getting to we're getting to the part of the show which you are very familiar with, which is the questions oh, I yeah. ask every guest yeah. towards the end of the show. Where they always, you know, they always have the same peccadillos with your questions about how, you know, two of them are too similar. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's not about the similarity of the questions. It's about the questions inspiring more, more conversation. Uh, yes, yeah. It's just I'm going into your brain and just teasing some neurons to see if anything else comes out. And we'll start with what is your earliest food memory? Well, not surprisingly, considering uh, uh, I'm a Jew uh, and a comedian, it is it is a negative memory. Uh, yes. And uh, <laughs> I have I, I have a very distinct memory of like a like a we had a like a live in babysitter when I was young who like on occasion where she really tried to force me to eat peas. 
And I was like, I don't like peas. And like, I think I, I, I was probably too young to formulate this thought, but I remember thinking like, I do like vegetables. Like, I'm, like this is not an anti-vegetable thing. Like if you just made me like green beans, like I like, or broccoli, like I'd be down. Like, why are you making me eat peas? Um, but, uh, uh now I do love, in fact, I'm proud of the fact that this is, uh, a, you know, a point of pride for me is like, I, I eat any vegetable. There's no vegetable. No vegetable that I do not eat. Oh my god! It's like you are like the fear factor table with your adventurism yes. with food. No, but <laughs> but, I, but I mean, there are a lot of people who are like weirded out by certain vegetables, and that's one where I'm just like, no, any vegetable thrown, yeah. I'm I'm down. Bring it yes. on! Bring it on! And peas um, with bacon yeah. is probably one of my favorite things peas with pancetta also fantastic there's a pasta there's a pasta place in downtown new york city called bar pt and they have an amazing pasta with peas with cream and pancetta that is just one of my faves but it's funny now that i think about it a lot of the jewish guests that i've had have negative food memories and like the wasps are like i remember my first chocolate cake life was great (laughs) (laughs) yeah what is your death row meal so let's think of a reason let's think of a good reason that you're going on death row oh you come home you uh you get some butter and as you're about to as you're about to go into it you realize that it has natural flavors in it you go back to the costco with your with your (laughs) ak-47 my god that's intense um (laughs) sorry it got dark real quick this one i've thought about a lot because i've thought about like first of all um, you know, you obviously would I just eat gluten, right? Would I just, um, yeah, would I, would I just, just do, like, it, and do then... it? But then you're like, do you really want to feel like shitty right before you die? Like, do you really want to just like have a bad, you know? Um, but so I, but I, I think there's two places where there's two restaurants that I could think of in New York where I'm just like, oh, this, like, if I got a big pile of food from this place, um, I would be so satisfied that I wouldn't even miss the gluten. And then you're kind of like meeting in the middle. One is a Dominican place in Washington Heights called El Malecon, which is just like this incredible, like, you know, just a big pile, just a big plate of like steak, plantains, rice and beans, onions, Mm. chicken, just like the green hot sauce. And just like, just that, like, there's no way that would be bad. Um, Or... Those are very fun, those those like sampler yes, platters yeah. at those places. Where it's just like, you know, a construction worker's lunch, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Uh, that, or there's this place that there's, my wife and I, is, uh, we love. Um, it's actually, uh, it's the I think it's the oldest Mexican restaurant in New York. It's called El Parador, and it's in Murray Hill. And it's, uh, it's just like this very like old school, authentic. And they have a thing called the taco tray where you just get like mm. every kind of meat and every topping and you make your own tacos. And I'm just like, that, that sounds amazing. You know, either one of those Fun. with a good cocktail. Interesting. So you, a lot of, you go for the, it seems like those could both be construction worker lunches. Yeah. That's your death row meal. El Parador is a little, little bit more upscale than the other place, but not to say that construction workers aren't upscale. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We have a lot of construction worker listeners. Well, it's dinner. Let's dinner. Let's say dinner, construction workers, dinner versus construction. Workers yeah. Lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. What is the best high-end meal that you've ever had? It's kind of cliched, but I mean, I know a lot of people probably say Blue Hill at Stone Barns, but like, I just remember the- Not a lot of people say it. You know who does say it? Dan Dude. Yeah, I just remember the first time I ever went there and then being like, you know, they said, uh, 
you know, they just make you stuff. I, I don't, is it still open or it's like open, but with different chefs, right? Yeah. They're rotating yeah. chefs now. It's kind of sad, but, it, but that place, um, I just remember going the first time we went. It's not sad though. I'll tell you, actually, I like that stuff. Cause oh. it's like, we shared a magical thing, a moment in right. time that no one else can yeah, there have. You go. And it's kind of yeah. interesting. It's kind of cool. Like when that. you went to they were they just like, what do you like? What do you not like? And we'll just make you like a bunch of things. Is that how it was for you? Or I mean, I went a couple times and I went with like restaurant right. people. So like, they were just like, just, just, sit back yeah. and open your fucking mouth so they so they were like one of you is gluten-free i was like yeah i'm gluten-free and then they were like other than that do you is there anything you don't eat and i didn't want to be picky so i just said no and mm -hmm. i remember the one thing they asked was like do you eat like tripe and i was like i was like if you can avoid the tripe we don't need the tripe i was like but other than that i eat everything <laughs> and then i remember they brought this salmon dish and i was like oh man i should have said salmon like i'm not crazy about salmon. you know i like cook salmon and then i took a bite and i was like this is the best fucking thing I've ever had. like it was so it was some sort of it was like white salmon it was it was not pink it was and uh i don't know where but it was it was incredible it was so that meal will always always i and i went back two or three times and it was always amazing but yeah yeah well it's so hyper seasonal that every time you go it, if you go at a different time of the year it's a completely different menu yeah it's all from the garden it was magical yeah. man i know and i hate talking like that yeah. when you're like it's, everything's from the garden what? everything is local but it's like it's literally you're just literally eating on the yeah. garden and seeing the cows walk by that you're like chomping into their tripe and by the way just so we don't sound too snobby um the little cafe there is great too so you can like go up to stone barns i mean i hope you still can and just sort of like walk the grounds and like eat at one of their picnic tables lunch and just get like, you know, they have like pre-made like salads and sandwiches for lunch from like their little like to-go cafe. And it's like pretty cheap and it's like really good. So And you're sitting outside in the beautiful, beautiful yeah, area. Great. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I go there with my parents once That's in a while. And, oh, by the way, the snobby train has left the station long right. ago. We are on it, baby. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get off it now. It's too late. <laughs> What is the best low-end meal that you've ever had? The, it, the best and the worst would be the same meal, which was when I was on my honeymoon in Brazil, and we ate at like this little, like it was basically like a guy, you know, who just like it's just like a grill next to a next to the water, you know. You sort of like we got off a boat, and there was like a guy. We were hungry, and there was a guy like just with like his own, like a little grill and like pick a couple picnic tables. And he grills you up this like beautiful like fresh fish hole, and you eat that with like I I always I think it's like rice and French fries they do there. It's like a double carb and then like a little salad is like a token. And I just yeah. remember sitting there with my wife being like, "This is the most special, best thing ever." Uh, and then uh, both of us were put out of commission for like a day. Like an hour later, we were just like, "That something's not sitting right." And I'm it, so just to have both of those in the same low end meal. It was worth the price of admission. Worth it, yeah, saying. for the story and for yeah. the fish. Yeah. When you're home cocktailing, do you have a favorite drunk food? Uh, no, I tend to have them before dinner. I mean, back in the day, I would love anything greasy, any diner. Um, you know, eggs, especially eggs, bacon. You know, BLT, that kind of thing. But nowadays, I'm really, yeah. I mean, I'm rarely out and about like um when i'm yeah. drunk uh and i'm and i'm rarely drunk by the way i should say i usually right. only have one or two cocktails but um but i mean that for me was like most of my 20s or my like early 20s college age early 20s was like let's get wasted completely strike out 
in like any sort of um, dating capacity and then just eat, end up at a diner at like drown you know, our sorrows. Like, and yeah. End up at a, like, you know, with a, like three other guys at a diner at like one in the morning, just, you know, having completely given up on any, um, you know, ideally you would be high and drunk. Right. So that you would, yeah. Uh, high would be that you'd want, I, I feel like you want the sweet and then drunk. You want the salty. I can never do the two of those at the same time. I mean, I haven't smoked weed in a very long time, but like, no, me too. It hasn't, it's been a very long time. I, that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. If I'm drunk and then high, it's like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to feel like Matt Goldich uh, <laughs> does right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny. Cause I think my favorite hangover food is your favorite drunk food, which is like diner stuff. Yeah. What is your, what is your hangover cure? For sure. Eggs scrambled eggs, avocado. I love chilaquiles if I ever can get that. I did once, I remember, I still remember this and I haven't really... Wait, what's chilaquiles again? It's like the, it's like a Mexican dish of like um, scrambled eggs, tortilla chips, like sauce, sour cream. It's really good. It's like a construction worker's breakfast. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I walked into that one. Um, I do remember one time many years ago, somehow I was on, I don't remember who I was with, I I ended up going to like a diner or something for uh, breakfast with these dudes. And one guy was like, he goes, you know, uh, strawberry milkshake is the best for a hangover because it looks like Pepto-Bismol. That was his theory <laughs> was that um, if you eat a strawberry milkshake, you'll immediately feel better. And I, I did want that guy. That. I want that guy to be my doctor. I like, right, his, yeah, I like how he yeah. thinks science works. <laughs> He's the Dr. Scott Atlas of hangovers. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that I, I I would love to test that theory out again and see if it still works. I I'm gonna tell you right now, it does not. I mean, you can sort of envision the strawberry milkshake like coating the lining of your stomach <laughs> and being like having like a soothing effect. I guess so. I mean, just like a big tub, I, I I a big tub of milk is going into your belly for a hangover. That just sounds I don't know. It sounds a little off. I don't know. People do milk like. Uh, for spicy, right? That's true. I'm back in. Strawberry milkshake. It looks yeah. like Pepto-Bismol. It must yeah. work. <laughs> Who is your favorite celebrity chef or food personality? Um, I have, an, again, a cliched answer, which is Anthony Bourdain, but I have a I have a good reason for it, which is, so when I first moved to New York, uh, I actually lived, you mentioned Barpedi. I lived right across the street from Barpedi in the village. Mm-hmm. And I lived in a terrible uh, apartment. In a beautiful area, though. It was a great area, a terrible apartment. I had no living room. I only had my bedroom, which was seven feet by eight feet. And I did not have cable. I I only had the network channels, but I would get them by hooking them up. Like I like I had the cable that you use to get cable. And I like so I had the old per- the person who lived there before their cable hookup. And that was how I got the network channels. And for some reason, like two or three cable channels snuck through this like sort of like, um, you know, illegal cable hookup. And mm-hmm. one of them was Food Network. And so I watched a lot of Food Network because it was one of the only channels I had. Right. And so I ended up getting really into his show, The C- A Cook's Tour, like, you know, back when really nobody knew who he was. Um, and then from that, I found... Kitchen Confidential, I found Layal, and I sort of got into him. And, like, you know, he's one of those people where, you know, I watched his stuff. Like, I watched his show for, like, basically, like, 17 straight years. Like, yeah. You know, from, like, three, four different networks. And then, uh, 
you know, I don't think I realized how important he was to like so many people until he died. Um, yeah. Other people like had the same sort of connection with him, but uh, you know, the outpouring for sure. And, and I should also mention uh, top chef. I'm a big top chef fan. And my mm. wife and I have watched every season of top chef. I think season two was on when we first started dating and we've watched every single season until now season 18. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. So we're big. Yeah. It's one of the few reality shows that I can stand. We've had Padma on. She's I heard. Uh, she was great. What is your desert island food? So you're trapped on a desert island. You have one food you have to eat for the rest of your life. You're never going to get tired of it. I've thought about this a lot. I thought maybe salad because I do like salad. God, you'd be the worst person to be on a desert island with. You'd be awful. I honestly think if you're trying to get like, Oh, man. Salad. Imagine you're on a desert island with Matt Goldish and you just have a fucking tub of bottomless tub of arugula. Well, you have to you have to eat one thing. <laughs> the whole I almost would be like this maybe doesn't count as one food, but like uh, like a bowl of cereal with fruit and raisins and milk to me is like the perfect sustenance. Like that huh. like I could eat that 3 meals a day and have no problem. Like but like either checks or some other like gluten-free, you know, whole food cereal um, with bananas, strawberries, raisins, milk. Wow. Down for that. It feels like it's good. You're getting good nutrition that way, but it's also filling. That's a good one. I like that better than your fucking baby, baby jam lettuce. You're going to, that's why I didn't say salad. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a food that you can't stand eating? Well, I have a couple. I was going to say, I think I think this is going to be a list here. Well, I have, like I said, I have become less picky, and I'll, I'll yeah. sort of try most things. Um, I'm going to give you two areas that are not, I'm not a fan of. Okay. One is something that my son eats pretty much every day that um, I'm just, at this point, I am past the point in my life where I can eat uh, sliced prepackaged deli meat. Uh, really you're too good for that huh it's not happening for me too slimy too gross Uh, i never really liked ham uh, to begin with i mean i'll eat prosciutto and i'll eat like the fancy like sausages or salami or stuff but like i'll eat fresh turkey if it's like sliced off of like a fresh turkey breast but like pre-packaged turkey is just like no i don't care how good the sandwich place is like i'm not eating your slimy turkey all aboard the snobbery train we are still going strong look you're talking to a man who shops at Costco. I'm not a snob, but the, and then the other one, which I, you might be surprised by, is there's a there that whole and again these are all things that I've tried more in my uh, uh, as I age and I'm uh, and I I'll I'm amenable to them, but I would never purposely order them. But there's a whole Jewish area of whitefish salad. Smoked salmon. Oh, here comes the anti-Semitic snobbery part. I mean, of the throw. Podcast. I mean, if you want to throw tuna, sa- tuna fish is disgusting. Um, but uh, yeah, but that whole. I don't even. To be honest, I don't even really like cream cheese that much. Um, oh, yeah. shots so that, fired! That whole, that whole area is kind of. I mean, again, and I'm not saying I wouldn't eat it, but um, it's not my favorite. Interesting. I can get down with those like weird fish salads, like on a everything bagel. Nothing, huh? Yeah, no. I'm a ba- when I like my bagel with butter or like you know, um, cheese, tomato, onion. I, I like chicken salad. I don't know. I'm not into that whole. And and I've had I have had some smoked salmon that I liked. But honest, uh, to be honest, like mostly in like a Japanese wow. setting, not in a Jewish setting. Somehow your food palate is both the most Jewish 
and the least Jewish thing I've ever right. heard. There you go. I'm a man of contradictions. Yeah. <laughs> what is your, this is your last, this is the last question. You know, it's my favorite question. Yes. What is your restaurant pet peeve? Yeah. This is going to sound completely contradictory with everything that I've said so far. But I don't like when they over describe the ingredients in something. Um, I don't, there's something about it where it's like, I don't need to, like, I don't need the menu to list like every single like herb or like, um, you know, where it came from. Like, it just feels like one of my dreams, honestly, is to like open up a restaurant where it just says, like, all it says on the menu is just chicken. And it's like, are you in the mood for chicken? <laughs> Get the chicken. Like, trust me, it's good. You're going to like, or like. Wait, this is crazy know. to me because you're like Mr. Dietary Restriction Person that needs to know everything that's, that's, that's being delivered to sure, you. Sure. Yeah. So you just would, like, you, you, if you went to your oh, own restaurant, you'd be like, oh, I need to know. I can't just get the chicken based on what you No, say. you could be like, is the chicken gluten free? And, and they're like, yes, it's gluten free. All right, I'll have the chicken. Like, I don't need to know anything more. Or they're like, don't, you know, if you're gluten free, don't get the chicken, get the steak. All right, I'll get the steak. You know, like, I don't know. I'm, for something about, you know, if I see like, I don't know, like, you know uh, what do you call it like aleppo pepper like i don't i don't i don't want to know like i don't you know meyer lemon uh, just like you know don't give me every flavor that's in it like leave like leave some surprise for me you know what i mean like i want like i want a little bit of surprise in the dish like a little bit of something i'm not expecting or wasn't ready for i love that actually because it's also like it's uh, it's a little bit like a magician giving away all of his tricks it's like yeah i want to be wowed right that's how i feel a little bit and if there's a certain ingredient in there where i'm like what was that smoky chili flavor then you ask and they'd be like oh that's an aleppo chili right yeah exactly Eat it, eat it first and think it's delicious and then find out what's in it. Can I tell you why I also think that's your restaurant pet peeve? Why? Because as a monologue, mostly monologue writer for yeah. Seth Meyers, I feel like your whole life is economy of words. Yes. You have to make sure that everything fits in a very, like the smallest mm-hmm. amount of words to get the biggest amount of laughs. Yeah, that's very, I would say that's very accurate. And I would say the more descriptive you can be in the fewer words possible, goes both for jokes and for menu items boom look at us cross cross pollinating there we go that was really beautiful yeah that was really beautiful matt tell the people where they can find you uh at matt goldich on twitter and instagram you can see my uh cocktail selfies with matt and uh that's uh i have an album called the matt goldich guarantee that came out a couple years ago when you could still um do stand up in person i guess people are doing it again i'm not yet but uh this was super uh fun i really enjoyed it i know it's not like having you know Jacques Pepin on the show for you but uh for me it was a big thrill i uh, this was just as thrilling as having Jacques Pepin that's not true. Just because I know you and you're my I mean, buddy. You're allowed to see. I, I, if it was, something would be weird. I literally lost my shit talking to Jack Pepin for an hour. My mouth was just agape the yeah. whole time. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Matt. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for quarantine to be over, your stomach yes. ailments to be over, and we'll be... Yeah, and we're going to get like a good meal together. Like we're not going to go to... There's not no Buffalo Wild Wings. Like we're going to get something... No, we're going to get... We're going to get a construction worker's brunch. I will take you out. Come to New York and I will take you out to a construction worker's brunch. It'll be fun. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thanks, man. This 
This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Stephen and edited by Jordan Aaron. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and the interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's really important to us, guys. Please do it. If you want more Green Eggs and Dan action, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at StandUpDan. Also, we have a YouTube page where you can actually see me and my guests going through their fridge in addition to other videos. Just type in Green Eggs and Dan in YouTube. Like and subscribe please. We need a lot of subscribers on that page. You will really enjoy it. It's a very fun element of the show. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.